Right, so we've looked at the first part of task one. The first part of task one is only six of the 22 marks, so you don't spend too much time on it. Again, gauge how much time you need to spend. And the first part of task one is you've got these two diagrams. You'll have, presumably, uh, Monday, two diagrams, slightly different network, maybe slightly different configuration, might be some things that are, are on here or not on here, etc. So you just need to be familiar with that. I believe Jeff did a few other bits and pieces in the earlier on. And then from that information, you're supposed to produce what you would add to this router slash firewall. It's not called a firewall. That's basically what it is in order to make this system work. Now, bear in mind, from this diagram, you're supposed to figure out that something's unreliable and the VPN's unreliable, but basically the network is unreliable. So what is it they need to do? It could be the wireless is playing up. It could be the network cabling's playing up. So you've got to talk about configuration, changes to it, making it more secure, Changing it, one of the key things, changing it to secure stuff like HTTPS generally means there's a much better security end-to-end. -end. Changing it from TCP, from UDP to TCP means there's a better connectivity and checking stuff. Right, so you've just got to, on this document, see, you've just got to write in, I would add this on this port, this protocol, this type, type, those types of things. Is everyone clear on that? But again, it's only, only six marks, so don't spend too much time on it. Because uh, it's out of 22, and that first part is only six. So I just think you need to put four or five, four or five things on there, make some notes on there saying that that needs to be secure on that port, need to add that for the web server, that for the actual um, DNS or whatever. Right, that stuff needs to be addressed. Right, so the main bulk of it, the 16 marks, is then creating this test plan. Yeah, and they've given you one, two, three. They've given you eight bullet points. There's 16 marks, so you've got to probably define that and expand on it. Yep. And again, you don't have to get maximum marks to get as many as you can, but if, if you, in your plan, you address those eight points, even very basically, you're going to get eight marks. So you're going to get a decent enough score out of it. But again, if you expand on it and make it a little bit more detailed. Has everyone got their notebooks? Or you can write on these pieces of paper, aren't you? So first of all, uh, your test plan document, again, you're trying to solve these connectivity problems and general networking problems and um, infrastructure problems. So the first thing, user detail. Your test plan document should include user detail. So first of all, what user details? What is it we're trying to capture here with this test plan? Now, remember, it's a test plan you're, you're setting for yourself in order to do some tests. It's not something that's going to go to capture some data about anyone else specifically but it might need to. So what do you need to know about the users? Is there anything useful from this that you can bring to the table or that's in this documentation that's in front of you? Who are the users? Do we know? Is there any detail on here at all? Um, it's not a great deal, is there? So we know that the name of the... And again, it may be more detail on the, the existing one that comes in on Monday. So... But in order to troubleshoot, what kind of, what users should we be asking about problems, basically? Any ideas? Staff, first of all, right? Again, this is sort of tying in some of the, this. These are supposed to be specifically about practical tasks, but they're supposed to bring in some of the theoretical stuff you've learned. So when we look to organisational structures, you've got obviously different structures. You've got management, you've got HR, all these different departments, and then you've got the drones at the bottom of the staff. Um, so user details, 
And again, this is a test plan, and it's going to be in the form of, I think, you don't have to do it this way, but it's probably in the form of some type of table. So, um, person, maybe. Is it, it's not just about that, though, is it? Test. So, number of tests, first of all. Um, I think it's only a suggestion. Again, there's no right or wrong. But so, first of all, number of the tests. You obviously you're recording each of these. You're making a plan about what you're going to do, why you're going to do it, and how you're going to do it. Yeah. So that's the sort of stuff we need to capture within this in order to address these different points. So first of all, just for this first one. So what is the number? So test number one, who it affects, start. That addresses that first point. But again, you might then have. What I would suggest is you put a little symbol next to that, and down the bottom, when you finish the table, you just say, by staff, I mean blah, 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 and the reason I'm testing it. So just expand on it a little bit. So just, if, it, if it's not obvious up front what you're doing and why, and even if it is, just add some stuff just in case. So user details. Now, uh, what else have we got? Date. Could be quite a complex table, couldn't it, I suppose. Uh, I'll change this in a sec, I just want to see what it might look like. So, some of these might, I, I might change it in a bit, so don't write anything down. I just want to brainstorm this and just see what we're up against. I think, looking at it briefly, some of the stuff is going to be on a table that you capture it, and some of it's going to be underneath explaining what you're up to. For example, so ability to record changes based on test outcomes, that would be in here. Record of diagnosis is the overall thing. So that seventh bullet point, the record of diagnosis, is whatever you come up with in terms of actually capturing this information. Uh, user acceptance of work completed is going to be a little thing signed here if you're happy with what I'm proposing. Right, so, the, so these bottom two you don't need to worry about. So that's the first six, really. Okay. So, uh, so dates, specification, what, what kind of test it's carried out on, um, proposed or what test. Flesh this out in a minute. And... <coughs> Right, just as a rough guide, and we can flesh. Obviously, you've got access to a word processor. Jeff's talking about. You may do this, and whenever we've got a lesson with him about using Visio to do some diagrams and things. It's really up to you. But so, first of all, and again, you can do this however you want. This is just a suggestion. So, first of all, you need to number what the tests are. Some sort of sequence that shows some sort of logic. Part of um, bullet point number seven, record of diagnosis, is. Is there some logic to the way you've done this, right? If you, and again, over-exaggerating over it to, to illustrate a point, if you say something along the lines of make sure the computer does such and such at the beginning when it's dependent on all these other things being fixed first, then that's wrong and that's out of order. So that's an obvious one, but again, over-egging it a bit. So first of all, 
I'm just putting, you can change this if you want, who it affects, right? So stuff that staff need to do and can do, the tests that apply to them may be specific related to their role. So you might be doing all these tests for them saying, because they, they're having problems printing, so you do all these tests and diagnostics and you do all these great fixes, and at the end they say, well, actually, we're not allowed to print. It's only we're supposed to send it to the printing reprographics department. So it's important to know who this is affecting because that may determine your diagnostics for this and how you're going to fix it. If, if it's down to their, their sort of personal attributes, it may be they're not allowed to do whatever it is you're asking them to do and what the problems are. Right? They may not have access to the internet for whatever reason. So again, it's a, it, I can't think of an example at the top of my head, but the person that it affects may, may determine something later on. And I think underneath this table of testing, this plan, you can write something along those lines. I've put in column two, I've put down who this is affecting because the effect may be something I need to change or maybe something I can't change because it's hardwired into the system where they're not allowed to do that. So they're having problems which I can't do anything about because it's not within my remit or, or the scope of this project, those sort of terms to throw about. Right, so use details is important because it, it really depends on their access, what they're trying to do. Again, if somebody says to you, I'm having a really load of trouble trying to access this, access this part of the network, you say, well, you know, what is your role within the company? Well, I, I just fill in these details. Are those details, is that database part of the main system? No, it isn't. Well, why are you trying to access the main system? So that's why you need to know why or who this stuff is affected because it will depend. And this is why you expand on it by talking about roles and responsibilities. Do they have read and write ability to that part of the network? If not, for whatever reason, then why are you fixing it for them? You shouldn't. Right, so that's why it's important, I think, for user details. That makes sense. So user details are quite important to understand because it determines roles and responsibilities. So you mention it here in your test plan as a test, but you flesh it out down here saying the reason they're included is because of roles and responsibilities. Hello. Yeah, come in. Hi, yeah. yeah. Do you want another chair? Sorry. Yeah. You may not be able to walk again, but chairs will drop. Yeah. So to recap, we're look, we've got an exam on Monday on hardware. Um, the first part of it is, so you've given some diagrams about what network should, is currently exists. Yep. So you've got troubleshooting a little bit, and then you've got to write a plan, so we did that already. Okay. And the second part of it we're just looking at is you're then supposed to produce a test plan. So we're just looking at what the test plan might look like and why, yeah. just okay. for context. Um, so... So user details, so the details of the person, what they're using it for, how they're using it, all of those are important because they'll give you some sort of clues about how you might be able to fix it. And this ties in with task two, because when you go, this is sort of related, isn't it? when you go to the, the task two to talk to the network manager, you need to say, well, who's this for? Why are we fixing it and who's it affecting? Because that will determine how much time and effort you spend on it and what the res resolution is. So user details, so do they have the rights to do that? Do they need to get there? What part of the network do they need to access? Those types of things. Next one should be obvious, but can you expand on the, why you need to have the date in there? Is that of any significance other than just having that date there? Documentation. Documentation and a documentation trail. Is there anything that that might impact on further down the line? Why, why would date be important in terms of a document trail? Again, you you were here last year, weren't you? Yeah. 
What ha we we had this new firewall. What happened after that? Do you remember? The network went down for about a week. Right now, if uh, that's a, an exaggerated example, but again, if if you'd made that change, if if the network manager said to you, "Oh, I I don't have time to do this, but can you flip the switch and turn this new? Um, I'm off on holidays, but this new service comes on. Just flip the switch. That's all you need to do." If they didn't document what happened, and they come back, you know, the network manager comes back, and said, "What happened? The thing was down for a week." So, well, we fixed it. And how did you fix it? I don't remember. We just switched different buttons on. So, the date would be critical. Now, it might be again. Sometimes you might get this at home. You, I've had this before. My 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 router's gone offline. I got no. I can't do anything about it because it's outside of my realm of influence. But I can look on certain websites and find out that on that particular day. They were doing roadworks, and they obviously cut into the cables or something, right? So the date's quite important. Only insofar as, again, in your test plan, you just put it in there in order to record it, but down in the document below, you say the reason the date is important because it, as Kester said, it creates a, a trail, if nothing else. If you just say, I worked on it this particular day, and if, again, in the future, in 10 years' time, if your network managers and you're responsible for your team, you can go back to these documents and say... Why did you do that on such and such a day? Because when you did that on that day, this happened. So therefore, there's a correlation. So it's just useful for building up a picture of what went on. Right, so test dates. Anything else we need to know about that? Right. So the, the importance of it is, again, establishing who did it, when, why, and, and putting it against a very fixed date, because that may impact on other areas. Because you can pull across other dates and say, well, this was also going on. It wasn't your fault because this happened outside. And that could be something. And again, in, in terms of expanding this and getting extra marks and just fleshing the stuff out, you could bring in and bring in some of the other topics. You could say the date could be because it, something really serious happened and it could go to court, in which case the court will say, what day did this happen? And of course, you've got the documentation saying it happened on that day because you've got the date. So date's always important for anything, really, establishing when it happened in order to establish who did it and why. So that's in terms of fleshing out. Does that make sense? So on the document below it, this is your test sort of test plan. You obviously don't do the test. You're just making the, the, the actual framework for it. But why are you doing it that way? So you need to justify it. So that's the main thing. And you can see those eight bullet points, you've got two marks on each one. The last two of them is have you laid it out in something that makes sense? So that's going to be the two of the marks. And the final one is acceptance of it so what you put down the bottom what's your name what's your role what what date did you accept this and are you prepared to sign off on it and again just going back on that point quite quickly in terms of legal side of things if you're doing a job for somebody and they didn't sign off on it and there's some money attached to it legally they cannot you know you can't go back to them saying you need to pay us and say well i didn't sign off on it i didn't agree to what you did so you need to that, oh, this is some legal restrictions. You need to come back. So that's why that's quite important. User acceptance of work completed. Also, the user acceptance is I agreed to do this and you've only done this, so I'm only paying you for this. Or, um, I, you, or you could go back and say, we agreed to this contract, but you'll be happy to hear that I went beyond it and I did two or three other things for you. Oh, great. We'll use you again as an organisation. So these are things outside the page, if you like, that make the, the report better. Does that make sense? Um, now, obviously, point three, computer specification and software. We don't know. There isn't anything on here, is about what they're using, but we need to capture that. So 
This one, I think you can flesh out quite a lot, I would think. Um, in terms of, I know this is not representative, but there's only a small little box there for the specification. But in terms of fleshing it out and getting more marks out of this, and again, you've got two and a half hours on this, haven't you? What do we... What should we be capturing under this in terms of computer specification that's relevant to this or would be useful for this? Remember, it's about reliability. What kind of things on the computer might make it unreliable? Maybe, uh, unnecessary <coughs> applications. Unnecessary applications, yeah. It's loading up stuff it doesn't need. That, all of that stuff takes up memory. It's going to slow it down. Probably, yeah. Anything else? Come on, Bailey. What other things might, what other specifications and software do we need to know about? What's that one in the background? Running the background, and I'm thinking of one very specifically. I don't know what it's like <laughs> on your machines, but one, one piece of software in particular you tend to have to run cripples your machine quite badly, generally. <laughs> yeah, apart from Google Chrome, apart from the office. I, I, well, maybe not. Maybe it's not as bad as it used to be, but um, antivirus stuff, just it just sucks the memory dry, doesn't it? It's just running in the background, just really destroying the machine, other than Chrome. Chrome is quite bad. <laughs> now, but, but again, and this is about fleshing it out, so you could talk about... I mean, it'd be perfectly legitimate to say what, in terms of software specification, you could have there... Uh, the reason I put, and on your document, you say the reason I put that there is because I'm going to say to them in the meeting what browser are you using because you know that that is a bad thing to do. So that's something you can add to the report. But you'd need to capture it there. Again, okay, there's not enough detail there, so no, we'll flesh that out later on. Um, now, the other thing is, we talked about this before, most computers that you buy these days, because of cost, will be sold with um, four gigabytes of RAM and it will be Windows 10. And on the box, as it used to be, when you used to get the DVD with your purchase, it would say minimum specification, four gigabytes of RAM. So that's what companies do, because it's cheap and cheerful, isn't it? If you buy a laptop, it's not worth their money to, to put more in, because nobody's going to buy it. So they'll put in the bare minimum to make the machine run. Now, we can only assume that, and that's you've got to make professional assumptions, that they bought the minimum spec machines, perhaps, to run this. So if, again, this is all speculation, but this is what you put into your report to show your knowledge... If the company have bought the cheapest possible laptops, remember on the diagram, it's they've got 10 laptops or something, as well as workstations. It may be the machines are just not up to the job. So specification-wise, if the machines are unreliable and you haven't asked them what kind of specification they've got, you, you spend all this time and effort trying to fix things. You come back and you find out that they're, they're grinding to their knees because they don't have enough memory just to get on. And then they open up the browser, Chrome, which cripples it even more, and they can't get to the internet because it's just tied up with all the other stuff. So that's why it's really important to get the background details of the software because some of those are going to be problematic. And I think it's right um, if you can remove some of them. You know, a lot of the stuff on the, the college network, they remove some of the unnecessary software. Some of it, you know, is needed for, for teaching. Some of it's disabled because it just makes machines go really slow. Um, so we won't know anything about specs until Talos 2, so we're just going to speculate. Yeah, I think you're speculating to... Well, you're making a plan based on the fact you don't yet know, but even if you don't know, could you sort of try and find out by making a plan in order to capture that data? I think that's what the idea is. Are we, are we asking the questions thing? Not on this one, no. Okay, that's on class 2. 
It is sort of related, and again on task three, you're sort of you're, so task three is you've you've made some some sort of best guesses about the system they've got. You've then gone to the network manager to make sure to double check that's what they're actually doing and get more ex- extreme detail if you like. And then task three, you say, okay, given this is your situation, what I'd recommend, given what you're currently doing and what you've told me, here's my suggestions as a consultant, effectively. I think that's how it works. And it is for you to, okay, there's no right or wrong answer. If, if you say, if, if one of your top tips is use this browser rather than that browser, then that's perfect, except for as long as you justify it. And if you say, well, I, in my own experience, this, this browser does tend to be very resource-hungry, so I'd recommend this other one, which will make it lighter and make it less unreliable, because obviously if they can't connect it into that because the browser's tying everything up, that's quite a problem. And it might even be something that the, the browsers aren't configured properly, that they've got whatever blockers on. What other specifications can we think about? So we've looked at memory, we've looked at some of the different software running. Storage. Storage, yep. Why? Uh, that is one of the things about unreliability, isn't it? So that is true. Yeah, so well, you need backups and stuff like that. Yeah, so backups, that type of security, but also maybe even, again, we've got to make an assumption and just say, they, and until you talk to network manager, you don't know, but they might be using old fashioned hard drives, in which case you know, they're not as reliable or as quick. Um, we're able to load up applications or software. Yeah, and then that's going to make it very unreliable just because they're not, not very um, process efficient. Yeah. And if they're not using. Um, like cloud services or anything, and they're using like local storage, then that can, you know, that could be a problem if it's too low. Yeah, and, and again, remember MTBF, another one of our acronyms, MTBF. Anyone remember that one? Mean time before failure. So hard drives, hard drives are rated, I mean, they run them 24 hours a day for X amount of time to test when they fail, and then they, on average, they make a statistic saying this, this particular thing will last this long on average. So I think hard drives generally, the old-fashioned hard drives are 10,000 hours, about three years non-stop. So they should only last three years if you run them continuously. Now, if you're running a server or a file server, that's on all the time. That is running all those hours. So, so theoretically, those drives could collapse after three years. So you should be building in some sort of plan to replace them every two years. So they're always within that MTBF, for example. Not such a problem with um, memory and things like that, but hard drives, particularly spinning ones. But even, I think it's the same. I think it's the same for SSDs and phones and things like batteries. They will recharge, I think, ten thousand times, something like that. Um, again, that's on average. So in theory, phones after three years, a battery should just die on it because it's it's had those that amount of time. Um, so anything else? So hard drives, memory. The operating system, again, we don't know. You'll find out on task two, but they could be running old versions of operating system. Now, if they're running, we've talked about this loads and loads of times, the NHS, because of financial reasons, cannot upgrade a load of its machines. And a significant, I don't know if it's still the case, but a few years ago, a significant piece of their real estate was running on XP because it did the job, they couldn't afford to upgrade it, and it was probably sitting just running some piece of software in a hospital somewhere, and it did what it needed to do. Nobody worried about it because it just got on with it. Of course, that, but then bit by bit, these things start getting attached to the network, and you know, XP hadn't been patched for five or six years, it had been out of date, etc. etc. So, 
I mean, that's, but we, we don't know that stuff yet, but we can, we can make guesses, can't we? So the operating system is quite important. Now, on the other task we looked at, which I think was sort of relevant, is standardisation. So in terms of asking about the specification, even though it may not come up directly on this one, it's probably important information to know what range of operating systems do you have. Like in the college, obviously, we only use uh, Mac and Windows, but those things have to talk to each other. And if you talk to the media students, you'll, you'll hear that it takes them 20 minutes to log on to their Macs. Those Macs are more powerful than these machines, but because of the protocols between Windows and Macintosh, they just fight each other. So these machines take 20 minutes to boot on to try and get all the Windows stuff in terms of get on the network. So that could be, in terms of unreliability, they could be in the same situation. They might be using a mixture of operating systems which just don't have standardised protocols and just not talking to each other properly. Perhaps. Outdated applications. Outdated applications, yeah. So what's the problem, though, if you expand on it? Uh, yeah, I'm paying. There's a lot of, like, all the windows, uh, like, Word and everything. You have to pay for most of the new versions. Yeah, so you've, you've got that ongoing cost. And, and a lot of companies either forget about it, because it's just, again, if it's just working. And you're, and you're also need minimum specs. And, and minimum specs again. Again, and going back, if you can refer back to uh, the diagram. Louis, Kobe, please. If you can go back to the diagram and relate it into this documentation, it be quite useful. So... In terms of, remember on, on page, whatever it is, the um, Southampton office, they've got that big stack of um, different, web, uh, different servers running on that one machine. And I mentioned this morning, if they're running, uh, again, we don't know, but if they're running Apache, for example, Apache has updates all the time. Now, if they just install it, it just works. And that's what everyone does. They install it and they walk away from it and they never touch it again. But they don't go back to it and keep up updating these security problems. So, again, out of date. If that's out of date, that's open to all sorts of attack. Same for the mail server, mail server, any of those devices that are internet connected are open to attack all the time. And if you don't patch them up, then you're in, in for some problems. And the same for the Windows operating system as well. You know, obviously, every now and again, you get a big download, don't you, to have those bug fixes and security problems. So I think that's probably enough on there. But, I mean, how, how would you... You're going to have to have a fairly big space in there to capture a lot of that bits and pieces. But I, again, I think you're making a table to capture this information, but then you're explaining why you're capturing it and why you put it in that sense. So you might modify that, um, but I think specification is probably enough. But I think because it's such a big thing to unpack, I think underneath you, you maybe put a heading and say specification and then flesh it out along those lines. So operating system, hardware, software applications, all the things we talked about underneath that particular thing. Uh, okay, anything else on that one? So computer specification of software, we covered it enough? Some of the other stuff would be covered on that other document thing, like protocols and what have you. Um, I mean, some of this, it's not on here, but in terms of specification of software, I think it's the, the, the elephant in the room. This is all about the VPN not being very reliable, so I think we'd have to talk about that. In terms of the specification, what kind of the VPN software, and it might be the VPN software is, a, is out of date and it's got some security flaws which are making it unreliable. Again, if, these, if any of this software isn't updated, it becomes a problem. Uh, so next, this then is the actual testing plan. So what kind of test are you going to do? 
for example, we talked about this morning, so if you're testing the network connectivity, the test could be ping or tracer or whatever. Um, if, and if you put it in as an example, and again, I'll have to check on this, I don't know if, I don't see on here that you're supposed to populate it in any way rather than just make it. Um, well, you can't do it because you're not, you're not physically there to do it. So I think in tests, and again, have a heading down below and say for tests, I'm going to run a range of tests because the problem's about reliability, I might do a, a soak test on the system. Does everyone know that? Soak test, you heard that terminology? If you think about it in terms of cars, which most of you want to get driving licenses, when manufacturers make cars, for example, they'll sit them on a, a rolling road and they'll just let it run and run and run for days and days and days and see how hot the wheels get and all that other stuff. Um, if you're creating a piece of equipment for a computer, you'll plug it in and you'll leave it for hours and hours in all sorts of temperature gradients and to see if it copes with that stuff. So that's soak testing it. Can it cope with all these different environments? Um, so testing for this thing. So what kind of tests are we going to do? We're going to do testing of the actual network. We're going to test the applications load. We're going to test the versions are right. We're going to test that they've been updated and patched, those types of things. That's the sort of terminology you need to use, I think. And if we run those tests, if I... So, for example, I don't know, and again, it was a long, long time ago, but if we do run a ping test, what are we expected to see if it's working? Four pings back. Four pings back. All, everything 100%, no loss, etc., etc. Nice statistics, not five days, you know, half a millisecond. Um... So you're going to have to, and again, flesh it out. So the, <coughs> underneath here, you'll have tests. To, and I think you just need to put a bit of detail in. So I'm going to run this test, which does this, and this, then the next line, expected outcome. If I run a, and you won't have to do all of them, because you're not going to have enough time. But I would say, under tests, I would run something like ping in order to test if the network's working. And then underneath that, with a heading with the expected outcome, what would I expect to see is exactly that. And if you can do it, if you can't, I don't think you do it on the machines. You might be able to do it on the, the exam machines next week, but if you can do, do a screenshot saying, here's an example of a ping test, for et cetera. But you can probably grab one off the internet anyway and plonk that into the document. So, so I'd run this test and I expected to see this. If I didn't see it, this is the action I would take. Right? And some of the other tests that we looked at. Uh, an ability to record changes based on the test outcomes. So you run the test. You get certain results. So the ping test, for example, comes back 100% packet loss. You've then got a comment field, what do I do about this? Now, something you might not be able to fix, but at least you need to make a note. If it's not your responsibility, I'm going to take it to the next level and take it to the, you know, the person in charge of that particular situation. You wouldn't be filling out any of this that we do apart from the test? No, not yet, no. But I, it's a bit artificial. You'd, I think you'd make that blank template but you'd explain all these headings and give a bit of a flesh to the bones, as it were, to say why, why you would do that, why that's there, what that field means, what some of the parameters are, and maybe an example. What would you fill out on it, then, if anything? If this was the real thing? No, just for the test. For the test, I think you just have the headings and that structure, and it would be like a blank table with right. the headings. I think the, the, the marks, if you like, are saying uh, this, what I mean by this one is this, it's like put it in bold, so number, I'm just sequencing the number of tests I'm doing. Next one, uh, who it affects or whatever title you use in bold and then say, this is in here for the following reasons like we just talked about. So uh, would you write I think about it's because it's a test plan, isn't it? Would you write about what the test would be then? I think I would, I would put it in just as an example. Because again, you've got, 
there's 16, the bulk of the marks are on this one. If you just did a, a test plan without explaining what it is or why you were doing it that way or why you structured it that way, etc., you wouldn't, you'd get marks because you've got the sort of test plan, as it were, but you haven't explained any of it. I think a lot of the marks are going to be in that explanation, really. And I think the, and if you look back up again to the, the first couple of bullet points, it says use of troubleshooting framework. So if you do have any of that terminology that you can bung in and just say, based on you know, this type of methodology or this type of framework or this type of process, I would do the following. And here's some examples of why I've, I've done my test plan this way. So I think, again, it's slightly artificial, but here's my blank test plan. And I'm, here I am explaining it with examples of why it's put that way. Now, in the real, in the, in the real situation, you would just make that test plan, wouldn't you? And you and you'd go to the job and you'd fill it in. But in this case, you're not. It, but I don't know. I don't have, you may well be asked to, for task three, be given some scenarios and say, how would that work on your test plan? But I don't, I don't think so. I think this would be more for next year, where you actually do this stuff for real. So you fill in, if you're going to, so you're going to do examples of the tests, you'd put that in the test plan then? You wouldn't put it below? I'd put it below, sorry. No, the test plan's just going to be a blank table okay. with the headings and a couple of rows. I mean, I think, I'm not sure. It might be, might be useful just to do a couple of examples because then it illustrates why you've got the headings that particular way and then underneath explain it in a bit more detail. It's, I think either way works, but I think you need to explain why you've put those column headings right. in that particular sequence or order or that. If, if you miss some out, like if you don't have the specification... Have you got a rationale for that below? I haven't put it in because on the day I've got a separate form that I'm going to create because it's very complicated. I mean, that would be perfectly okay, wouldn't it? You could leave that out and say below, I've actually, here's an example of another um, document I would take along to the meeting, which is very specifically for an operating system because it's so complicated. Okay. Maybe that would be a way. Does anyone agree with that? Okay, there's no right or wrong, is there? As long as you solve the problem. What's the best way? What's the best way to solve a problem you don't currently know or you don't know yet? If you turn up to this office, you know, what would you take with you in order to get through the day? And if you've got a blank plan with most of the expectations about what's going to come up in terms of problems, then at least you've got a fighting chance of, of solving some of it. Cause you, and again, we did it before. If you don't ask the right questions like on task two, what you don't ask, you won't get. So if you don't know what to ask and how to make those questions valuable your 10 minutes goes quite quickly and you the key thing you haven't asked and so when you start writing your report if it were for real you say well you didn't ask me about how many of these we had for example and that's our key thing but um so record changes based on outcomes and again i think this is looking for so it might be worth doing some, if you do it as kest suggests maybe this put some samples in there to show how it works in practice and as long as you're clear, just say, here are some following. I've made the table, but I've put in some data in just to show how it might look if it was actually being used. And then flesh out a bit more. Because at the end, you still have to put the signatures and things. That could be part of the document itself. I mean, some, some documents will have you know, merge fields and things like that. So you might have on the table itself, date, person signed off, and you know, a little note. Do you agree that all the, the approved stuff above is going to happen and you're happy to, or whatever you word it? and get their signature and date, because that's quite important. Um, so record, record of diagnosis. The record of diagnosis is going to be the, how this looks and feels at the end of the day. And then user acceptance of work completed is just getting their signature. So those have to be on there. But I would say, 
Again, I would argue that if you do put those on, explain why those are important. It, you wouldn't need to do that in the real world, but again, this is for an exam. So you need to say, as you can see above, I've put in this because it's really important to get the user's acceptance for the following reasons. I don't really flesh it out, really make it clear. Any questions? So they don't have to pay you if you've already done it, so they haven't signed it. Depends how the contract's done. So, for example, if this was troubleshooting, you might agree to do it, um, and you might, a lot of companies will agree to do it, because it's already done then, isn't it? But um, the actual organisation may say that we're, we're only going to pay you once we've verified everything's done properly. So you'll do it. You'll say, here's what we did, here's the problems we found, here's where we fixed them, here's my report. They'll take your report away and they'll, they'll check it internally, and when, if they're happy, then they'll sign it, send it back, and then you'll send them a bill. That may be how it works. So you could explain that in the document as well. Again, all these things you can add in terms of process outside of what's on the page will be quite useful. All right, so what I recommend we do now then is to have a go at making one of these um, tables, one of these plans, because that is the big part of it. So if we can log in and, and have a go at making a, a basic test plan along the lines of this, this is just a suggestion, it doesn't have to be exactly like this. And then we could take a look at it in a little bit, see how you get on with it and see how you explain it. Okay, so I'll stop the call.